to all of our fathers who say happy, happy, happy Father's Day. Can we give God a hand praise for all of our fathers? Can we give God a hand praise for all of our fathers? We love you. We thank God for you. And we believe that God is using you to change the world through your offspring. It's interesting that God changed, listen, God the Father changed the course of the world through his son. One father and one son changed the whole course of the world. The first son, who was Adam in Genesis, God is in a mess. The second son, who is Jesus, got us out of the mess. And that was made possible when God the Father sent his son and ransomed for all of us. So to all of our fathers, we want to say that you, you are a blessing to your offspring. You're a blessing to your families. You are a curse breaker. You have the power to change the course of your family. And so we want to say congratulations and we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful day with your loved ones. In Jesus' name. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We bless you. We're getting ready to hear your word. Will you speak to us? Will you speak through us, God? And as we share your word, God, may it, may, may it minister to our hearts. Change us, Lord, to the glory and the honor of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. Today, today we're going to be talking. My subject today for Father's Day is catch or release. Catch or release. Whenever we go fishing, we have to do one of those two. Sometimes when we catch a fish, the other day I was in, a, in Atlanta with my children and our staff, and we were recording some videos for next Sunday, Summer at New Birth. And uh, I found a line with a hook in the river. So I picked up the line, and I just I threw it I threw it back out. Well, I didn't have a fishing rod. It was just a line. I took it, and I threw it. And as I started rearing it in, I caught a fish. I'm so anointed that, that it's just amazing. So I just, I, I caught a fish without even fi wanting to go fish. And, um, and it, was, it was a big, big fish. It was this big, right? But from uh, the closer I got, it got bigger. But anyway, it was big. And I, obviously, I couldn't keep it because, you know, it's not healthy to keep a small fish. But at that point, I was so, I was so hyped that I actually caught a fish um, that I didn't want to let it go. And so the, the reality is that when you go fishing, you either have to make that decision. Am I going to keep it? Am I going to catch it? Or am I going to release it? Depending the size or what have you. Um, and so today, today um, I want to talk a little bit about from a fishing perspective as it pertains to a father, son, father, daughter, um, and, and I'll be honest with you, uh, this is not my field of expertise. Um, I, I think who would better speak on fishing uh, would be a Christian who he loves fishing. Um, I don't like fishing. I tried one time to go fishing, and, um, uh, and it just didn't work. It just didn't work for me. But many children, many children who go fishing with their parents, they have unforgettable experiences and moments. And when a father goes out fishing with his child, whether it's a boy or a girl, um, the memory that that moment brings about years after is not really about the catch. It's about the quality time. What makes a father and son or a father and daughter fishing so valuable, it's the time invested rather than the catch. Because you could go fishing five hours, six hours, and catch a cold 
catch a pneumonia, but you ain't going to catch no fish. Uh, so, so, so the beauty of fishing with a father and son is just the time being spent. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm from the Bronx, from the Boogie Down Bronx. And in the Bronx, um, we don't go fishing. You know, we play, we play basketball, baseball, watch baseball games, or watch basketball games. You know, we're inner city. Um, some people do go fishing, uh, but it's just not, you know, that's not something I grew up wanting to go fish. I would rather play handball. I'd rather play basketball. The fishing, that, that just, yeah, that wasn't my gift. Um, and so one time, one time after I got married, I think my kids were, were in diapers, um, I decided to go fish with some of the men in the church. We went to this place in Queens called Sheep's Head Bay, and uh, we were going to go fishing deep sea for like six hours. And I remember it was after church. We got together. We went to go fishing. And the experience I had fishing that day, I had never gotten fishing ever in my life. And I went, and of all days I went to fish, that was the day that we had a robust, strong, torrential storm. It was just horrible. And I would say out of the six hours, five hours, everyone on the ship was sick to their stomach, throwing up. It was just the worst fishing experience, the only and the worst fishing experience I've ever had in my life. Now, I want you to see over 60, 70 men in that boat. Everybody's sick. Everybody is, and the smell on the boat. And then the captain didn't want to go back because he didn't want to return the money. So we had to endure the stench of I'll leave it at that. Just pray for me. So, so because that was such a traumatic experience for me, I said, I will never, ever put my children through that trauma. So I've never took my kids fishing. Never. Never. I don't, it just doesn't work for me. I, every time I, I try to go on or get on a boat and fish, that's what I think. So I'll fish from a pier or I'll fish, you know, from the shore, but I would never go on a boat because for me, it was literally traumatic. It was traumatic. Um, um, but today, today, I'm going to share a story in the Bible of, of a relationship between a father and two sons who go fishing. A father and two sons who go fishing. And, um, but we're going we're gonna to read the story from the perspective of Matthew, who wrote the gospel according to St. Matthew. He writes this story. And the first couple of chapters, first chapter one, he talks about the birth of Christ. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Then chapter 2, he talks about some other stuff. Then he talks about Jesus going into the wilderness. But then, but then right after Jesus comes back from, from being tempted, he's going to present us two set of brothers that Jesus is going to recruit as his first disciples. Two sets of brothers. Which is interesting that when Jesus picks his first disciples, he picks men who have a concept of family. Two brothers. Simon and Andrew and John, right? Jacob and Juan and Jacob and John, the sons of thunder. So he picks two brothers, two sets of brothers. He picks family. And, and I don't know why Matthew is emphatic in mentioning the father in this story. Because number one, the first two sets of, of people that Jesus picked, Matthew is not one of them. It was Simon, Andrew, James, and John. Matthew's not there. So Matthew's writing his gospel, and what he writes as it pertains to the second set of brothers impressed him so much 
that he takes the time to mention to us the name of the father. And so we see in this story a father going fishing with his two sons. Okay? Now, I want to lay off by, start off by saying this, that there is no greater value to a child than his father's affirmation. Let me tell you, your children could get, you did a good job from their teacher. They could get a great job from their coaches. They could get, you are just so wonderful from their loved ones, girlfriend, boyfriend, etc. But there's no greater affirmation that your child would ever receive except from that of a father. There's so much power in a father affirming his children. There's so much power in the love of a father towards his children. So much so that when Jesus hits 30 years of age, he's 30 years old. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit leads Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted. Right before he goes into the wilderness to go through one of the first challenging moments of Jesus' public ministry, the Father, God the Father, makes it his business to boast about his son in front of everybody prior to going to the wilderness. Look what the Bible says, Matthew 3, chapter 16, 17. Matthew's impacted. He's seeing how God the Father speaks to his son. He's seeing how the son is in chapter 4 is dealing with his, the father is dealing with his sons going fishing. So Matthew's impacted by this paternal thing. And verse 16 says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And look what happened. And a voice came from heaven. Whose voice? He says, this is my son whom I love. I love him. With him, I am well pleased. That's the background before Jesus goes and confront the wilderness. That's the background before Jesus is going to confront the cold of the night, the heat of the day, because he's in the wilderness. Starvation. The devil himself. He goes into the wilderness with nothing other than the affirmation of his father. The approval of Jesus by his father helps him undergo the wilderness. Let me submit to, submit to you parents that your children, every time they leave your house to go to school, to go to work, they're confronted with a wilderness. Every time they give you a kiss, whether they tell you bendición or whether they say see you later, your kids, when they leave your house, there's a wilderness out there waiting for them. Yet Jesus received the affirmation and the boast of his father before he confronted his first trial and challenge as the son of God. The approval of Jesus' father helped him in the wilderness. The confidence of Jesus' father encouraged him in the wilderness. The love of Jesus' father sustained him in the wilderness. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit by Jesus' father kept him strong to overcome the temptations of the devil the three times he tempted him in the wilderness. So what am I telling you, church? That the approval, the confidence, the love, and the empowerment of God 
the Father towards Jesus was necessary prior to Jesus launching his public ministry. That thing also applies to you. If your kids are going to become the great things God has promised them to be, it is important that you and I as a father, we can give them our approval. We can give them confidence. We can love them and empower them to overcome the things that is before them, knowing that we as parents have that responsibility. Can I get a good amen? And after Jesus received the love, the encouragement, the confidence, and the empowerment of the father, he goes to the wilderness And the Bible says he comes out, he comes out victorious. So much so that he comes out from the wilderness after 40 days preaching and preaching and starting his ministry. And quoting what Isaiah said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. And he starts declaring everything that Isaiah prophesied. He says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your eyes. And he starts preaching and preaching and preaching. This is uh, Matthew chapter 4 verse 12 through 17. But now when you get to verse 18 through 22, Jesus is going to go fishing. I want you to see this. God the Father boasted on his son. God the Father encouraged the son. God the Father empowered the son. God the Father loved the son. God the Father had so much confidence that he said, go into the wilderness and I'm going to send my spirit. You're going to come overcome. You're going to come out overcoming. And he overcomes and he comes out. And he starts preaching in the confidence, in the power, in the love, and the trust of his father. And now he's going to get ready to recruit some men who will be his next disciples for the next three and a half years. Listen to me. He's going to pick 12 men. He's going to pick 12 disciples. He's going to recruit 12 men who are going to change the course of the world. Now let's look at the first set of brothers that Jesus picks. Go with me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, 22. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, He saw two brothers. One of them was Simon, which later was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net to the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed. I want you to read the text again. You you, you missed it. Read it again. Verse 22. It says, and they were casting. Let's go to verse 22. uh, I'm sorry. Let's go to verse 18. And they were casting a net, singular, into the lake, for they were fishermen. Now, when you go to the next verse, look what it says. Follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish people. At once they left their nets, plural. Now, you have to understand this picture. These two brothers, Simon, who is Peter, and Andrew, they're not fishing from inside of a boat. The Bible doesn't tell us that they were on a boat. The Bible says that they, Jesus was walking on the sea On the the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And as he's walking, he sees these two brothers casting a net from the land towards the water. 
And as he's seeing this, Jesus tells them, hey, guys, come follow me. And the Bible says, and if you follow me, I'm going to make you first as a man. And the Bible says that instantly. Instantly. I don't know if they, they threw it. Jesus called them and they let it and they kept on going. But instantly they abandoned it all. If they were casting the nets, that means that they were fishing. If they were casting the net, that means they hadn't caught anything yet. If they were casting the net, that means they have nothing to show for. Because that means they just started to fish. And they threw the net. And haven't received anything, they left their nets and followed Jesus. So here's Jesus. Hey, Simon, Andrew, follow me. They had nothing to show for. They, let, they didn't even pick up the nets. They left the nets and they followed. So Jesus brings these two guys in, Simon and Andrew. And as soon as they left their nets, they immediately decided to follow Jesus. It's crazy. Now let's look at the second set of brothers. So now Jesus is with Simon and Andrew. I want you to see it. They left their nets floating in the sea. Shortly down the road, look at what happens. Going on from there, verse 21, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. Different scenario. A different reality. Simon and Andrew were by themselves about to start fishing when Jesus called them and they followed him. Yet, these two brothers were not on the shore. These brothers were on a boat. These brothers were not only on the boat. These two brothers were with their father in the boat. And not only were they with their dad on the boat, the Bible says they were preparing their nets. That word preparing, if you read it in Spanish, is remendar. The word prepare is a word that means they are preparing to wrap up the day. They are folding the nets. They finished their job. They went and they caught what they needed to catch. And so their assignment is over. I want you to see it. Simon and Andrew ain't catching nothing. They were starting to fish. It was easy for them to follow Jesus because they had nothing to show for. These two guys, James and John, had everything to lose. They already had gone fishing. They caught all the fish they had a cat. They were in a boat, and not only were they on their boat, they were on their boat with their father. And in that dynamic of completion, of satisfaction, of being with your dad in a boat, and I don't know, I don't know how long they were fishing because this, this Zebedee was a he was a fisherman by trade. He had a business. So they would catch early in the morning fish to go before 9 o'clock in the morning to the marketplace to sell fish. So they must have been fishing at least 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And right in the middle of their, their, they're catching the fish. Right in the middle of catching all of the fish. These two brothers hear a call from Jesus. 
And the Bible says that they left the boat immediately and followed Jesus. Now, 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 that sounds so spiritual. That sounds so holy. But let's think about the Father for a minute. Think about the Father. What, 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 wait, what? You want my kids to go with you? Who are you, bro? Because up until this point, Jesus hadn't, Jesus wasn't popular. Jesus just went to the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by the devil. He overcame. He starts to preaching in chapter 4, verses 12 to 18. So he's not really famous. And all of a sudden, he looks at a father with his two boys, and he tells the father, I want your boys. If I, listen, if I'd have been Zebedee, I'd have been like, oh, heck, no, my son ain't going with you. Who are you? What? No way in the world. But what is it about this father? who perhaps he didn't know much about Jesus, but there was something he knew about Jesus that he came to this conclusion, my children are better off in the hands of Jesus than in my hands. Listen, I'm a father, man. And I will never let my kid, kids go any with anyone. Listen, my kids, my kids don't know what it is to sleep in nobody's house. I never let my kids stay in nobody's house because you know why? I don't know, I don't know what happens those nine hours, those kids are not with me in my house. And it's not that I didn't trust my children. I don't trust the devil. I don't trust people's kids. I don't trust people. So I've always protected my children. Pa, can I go to her house? Can I go to his house? No. Why? Because I said so. But why? Because I said so. But why? Because Ask him now. I'm telling you, they're grateful today that I never let them sit in nobody's house. Because my job as a father, the word father in, the, in Hebrew is one who protects, one who sustains, one who nurtures, one who strengthens. I need to protect my children. And now here comes this Jesus who nobody knows talking about. I want your boys. I don't, I don't know if I would have said, I don't know, I'll be honest. I don't know if I would have said yes to Jesus. Not with my boys. But this man, Zebedee is letting his children go. Knowing that once he let his boys go, he ain't going to see them for the next four years. Because Jesus is, is recruiting them as disciples. And a disciple, had, a disciple was obligated to stay with a master or a rabbi no less than three and a half years. So Jesus, who, who was 30, by the way, when he starts picking disciples, when he goes and recruits these men, these men, listen to me, these men... We're not men. These men were teenagers. Because the, the, the appropriate age for you to be a disciple of a rabbi was between the age of 7 and 18. Rabbis would do their job at the age of 30. And they would recruit disciples under 18 years old. Which is why when Jesus picked the 12 disciples, they weren't as grown men as we see in the picture. They were teenagers. They were kids. That's why a boy, when he hits his bar mitzvah, that's, that's a perfect time to become a disciple under a rabbi. And at the age of 13, four, let, let's exaggerate. At the age of 17, 18, there's still kids wet behind the ears. Jesus is talking about, I want your boys. Why would Zebedee let his kids go? They weren't grown men. They didn't know. They didn't know everything about life. They didn't know the ups and downs of being a man. They didn't know nothing. 
There was something about Zebedee understanding who was asking him to give him his children. I'm here to tell you it's worth giving your children away to Jesus. Zebedee was clear. He was clear who was calling his boys. And it's interesting that the name Zebedee in the Greek, his name literally means to give away. His name means to give. To give. Zebedee lived out his name when it came to Jesus. When Jesus comes in the life of this man and his boys and Jesus asked, come with me. He didn't fight. He didn't quarrel. He didn't bicker. He didn't complain. He simply lived out his prayer. Listen, his name in the Bible, in the Bible, a person's name was directly connected to their destiny. His destiny as a father was to give his children to God. Your destiny as a father, my destiny as a father is not to make my kids uh, a snot nose and, and make them feel that they're better than everybody else. My job as a kid is not to, as a father to provide them all the good things in life that a, a kid can have. That's good. But at the end of the day, my job is as a father to present my children to the Lord and the Savior of their lives. Gave his sons to Jesus. Listen to me, Father. The greatest contribution a father could give his children is placing them in the hands of God. Nah, man. My kids, they got it made. My kids, huh, when I die, when I die, my kids are going to have 1.2 million each. When I die, my kids are going to have the house. Listen, that's great. But the greatest gift you can give your children is the inheritance of salvation. Zebedee says, are you sure you want to do this? Take him John, are you sure you want to do this? The Bible says that immediately they left him. Now, it looks like abandonment, but it's not abandonment. You know what James and John left when they left their father? They left a position, but they didn't leave a relationship. Look what Jesus does. Jesus was so impressed with the job of the father. Which, by the way, the father was a fisherman. Who was Jesus? He was a carpenter's son, which means that if he was a carpenter's son, Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus didn't look at these two boys and say, come with me, and I'm going to make you carpenters of men. No, he honored the role of his father, of their father. He said, here's what I'm going to do. You, your father has been great example to you when it comes to catch fish. You guys are so smart because James, uh, uh, Simon, and Andrew, these guys, they, they started. They caught none. They, they followed me because they got none to show for. But you guys, you you folding your nets, which means you already caught all the fish. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. You have the abilities. Where did you get that from? James and John. You got that from Papa. Papa taught you how to fish. Papa taught. So I'm going to take everything your father taught you, and I'm just going to use it for my glory. So no longer will you be fishers of, of fish. You you're going to be fishers of men. And by giving him that title, he is honoring their father. Listen, you don't have to be a bishop and a preacher and a teacher 
to leave a legacy in your children. The only time we hear of Zebedee was when he was willing to let go of his children. You'll never hear in the Bible, and he preached a sermon, and 20,000 people came to Jesus. But you know what happened with James and John? You know what happened with James and John? Read the book of James in the Bible. When James starts writing a word of spiritual maturity to a church in crisis, and he starts talking to the church on how to tame his tongue and their character, and their, where did that come from? is John? John is the guy who writes the gospel according to John. John is the guy that writes first, second, third of John. John is the guy that writes the book of Revelation. So yeah, maybe John, maybe Zebedee didn't teach him the word and the Torah and the scripture, but he got him ready and presented him to Jesus. My job and your job is to get our children ready so that when God calls them, they are ready to go knowing that their father blessed them, affirmed them, encouraged them, empowered them to do the work of the calling for their lives. So don't ever minimize the office of a parent because you're not a preacher. Your job as a father is to present your children to Christ. Your job as a father is to get your kids ready so that when the moment comes when God calls your children, you can say, go ahead, boy. Everything I taught you, put it to practice. Go ahead, boy. Go ahead, girl. Everything I taught you, take it to the world of faith Jesus was honoring this father by giving him his title of fisher of men Jesus was honoring Zebedee by not changing his title of his sons but the question is I ask you do you trust God for your children or, you do, or do you rely on your own strengths finances and abilities what was it that caused Zebedee to give up his children? What was it? And instead of keeping them, he decided to entrust them in the hands of the Lord. The best way to demonstrate your love towards your children is to lead them to Christ. So will you keep your children in your boat? Or will you let them go in the hands of the greatest fishermen of the world? Because the question is, are you going to catch or release? Are you going to keep your children for you? No, my kids can't get involved in ministry. My kids can't get involved in the church. Not until they graduate with a master's degree and a PhD. And got an XYZ. No, 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 no. But are you willing to release? Or are you going to hold on? And are you going to hold on? And are you going to hold on? Because let me tell you something. Whatever you and I have, it is not because of our strength. Whatever you and I have, it's because he gave it to us in the beginning. So let's live like Zebedee. Let's give our children and put them in the hands of God. Because our children are better in his hands than they are in my hands. Get up on your feet, church. Get up on your feet, would you please? The question is, are you going to catch or release? The question is, are you going to hold on or let go? The question is, are you going to keep, retain, or empower and release? So all over this room, I want to pray for every father that is here and those of you that are watching me online. Father, God is calling you today to catch or to release. Catch them. Present them to me and let them go. Catch them, prepare them, mold them, equip them. Nourish them, love them, 
mold them. But understand that you're only doing that to let them go in my hands. So if you're here today and watching me online, if today you want to make this day the most memorable moment of your life and say, Lord, I release myself in your hands. I place my life in your hands. I need a Savior. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. And at the count to three, and if, if you want Jesus today, unashamed and afraid, I want you to raise your hand at the count of three like a rocket to the sky. And if you're watching me online, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand as high as you can. And I can't see you physically, but the Holy Spirit is in your room right now, and he sees you as well. All over this room, if you want Jesus, at the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Who wants Jesus? Who wants Jesus? I see one hand. God bless you. Come on, put those hands together to the glory of God. And if you're watching in your house and you raise your hand to God be the glory, the best days are before you in Jesus' name. So if you raise your hand, here's what I want you to do here on site and there online. Would you repeat this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, I believe you're God and you have a plan for my life. I surrender my life and I place them in your hands. I make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Forgive me from all of my sins. Write my name in the book of life. And with your help, I promise to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you made that prayer, put those hands together. If you made that prayer, we believe you're born again. We believe you're saved. And so the best is yet to come. So to you online, I tell you, may God bless you. Continue to watch us. Call us. Go to our website. Get connected. MyNewBirth.Church and find a way to get connected to the life of the church. We need to know that you have made a decision for Jesus and the best is yet to come. So God bless you. God keep you in Jesus' name. And everybody says...